Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. Ashton Kusher just this week testified uh, in, was it Congress? I think it was probably Congress or some governmental thing about human trafficking. We're lucky enough to have a person I've known for a long time on the program. His name is Detective Sergeant John Daggy, who's got one of the best police officer names ever. Uh, and he wrote a book called Paying For It, Why Legalization and Decriminalization Support Human Trafficking. Welcome to the Tom Gully Show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's not just about the sort of the, the law, the, the crime itself, as it is in the statutes. So many, you know, lifestyle sort of psychographic elements combine to create a situation where a, a girl is trapped in this uh, need, you know, obviously we all have a need to have a roof over our head and where's our next meal coming from and all that. Once they get, you know, into that sort of vicious circle of being under control, the necessity to please their pimp, to go back out, to have drugs or any of these other things, it really is a trap from a lifestyle standpoint. And there's some commonalities with uh, especially young girls, the uh, underage girls that you caught up into it. Um, commonalities, but not all. So such as, um, you know, single parent family, um, the girl may have been molested as a kid. Um, you know, they say runaways within there's a stat out there or that, you know, within 24 hours or something like that. If you're a runaway, um, you're going to be approached to traffic. You know, they, 13 or 14 is kind of the age they get into. How, how much money did you get to keep? Well, none, but, you know, he, he I got my nails done one day, and, you know, he'll buy me a cheeseburger every couple hours to and eat. A, and and like, he got me a tattoo, and he, he, yeah, he yeah. took it's, me it's, out to a club once, you know. And it's usually a tattoo with a name branded on We can get back to that in a minute. Yeah. Well, and then I say, well, don't you think since you did all the work, and this is where all human trafficking involves labor. You'll never hear that anywhere else but here. All human trafficking is labor trafficking, but not all labor trafficking is sex trafficking. Right. The controlled legal prostitution, a lot of people think it's a victimless crime. Uh, what other problems are there in you well, know, Reno, you, I think, yeah, is the you, biggest place. And then if you go to Amsterdam, they have it. And, right. Oh, you know, the girls like, are tested in various intervals, which is, I think, one of the few good things is that they test them medically. Um, that's a great question because what's happened here in America, then I'm going to go to, um, then I'm going to go to Europe and then I'm going to Israel. So, and they're prime targets for serial killers. Gary Ridgway, I spoke with, um, Congressman Reichley. He was, a, he was, a, he was the, uh, um, sheriff. The, the Green River Killer, for yes, those of yes. you who don't know Gary Ridgway. And, and I think, uh, known to have 50, he, he murdered 50 people, yeah, and all he, of them women. He said he picked. Yeah, he said he picked prostitutes because nobody would care if they were missing. Too, if there's a really, really pretty one walking out there, or the men who like to go out there and pick the girls up, there's a really good chance that's a dude. Can you just tell everybody what a badass I was on a college <laughs> soccer field? I, I, I really, you know, it's it's a shame ESPN wasn't covering us at the time because then there'd be a YouTube video. <laughs> with probably some ACDC music on in the background. Um, Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time.
time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North and South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... It is Monday, February 20th, 2017, episode 255. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show. Human trafficking made headlines in the last week as Ashton Kutcher testified about the subject in front of Congress. But human trafficking happens right here in the U.S., probably in your own town, every single day in the form of sex trafficking, where women are forced to perform sex acts largely without compensation and against their will. It's a complex issue, but tonight we'll speak with Detective Sergeant John Daggy, who wrote a book called Paying For It, which outlines the subject of human trafficking in the kind of detail only a law enforcement expert can provide. Learn just how human trafficking happens all over the United States tonight on The Tom Gully Show. Ladies and gentlemen, the chief hope of our enemies is to divide the United States along racial and religious lines and thereby conquer us. Let's not spread prejudice. A divided America is a weak America. Through our behavior, we encourage the respect of our children and make them better neighbors to all races and religions. Remind them that being good neighbors has helped make our country great and kept her free. Thank you. Ashton Kusher, just this week testified uh, in, was it Congress? I think it was probably Congress or some governmental thing about human trafficking. We're lucky enough to have a person I've known for a long time on the program. His name is Detective Sergeant John Daggy, who's got one of the best police officer names ever. Uh, and he wrote a book called Paying For It, Why Legalization and Decriminalization Support Human trafficking. Welcome to the Tom Gully Show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, uh, you actually work for the police. I do. Um, currently, I'm a uh, in detective sergeant in the um, Special Investigations Unit. Um, I do corruption for the Annapolis Metropolitan Police Department. Uh, about a year ago, I left the Human Trafficking Vice Unit, and I was there for about 10 and a half years. And my focus, uh, one of my focuses was um, human trafficking. And um, but before I go on, uh, let, let, me, let me just put out there that uh, 
when when I'm talking here, it's these are my experiences and opinions, not the police department that I work with. Uh, so we'll release them from anything here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, human trafficking uh, in your book, which is kind of a textbook, it's very, very, very informative and step by step. Um, is really interweaved heavily with prostitution. And at the very beginning of your book, uh, I just want to get this out there. You address the fact that the old joke is that, or the, you know, uh, anachronism is that prostitution is the world's oldest profession. And I know that's not true. The world's oldest profession is begging because somebody had to ask for it. Correct. Or I even said carpentry, you know, because they had to build a house to live in, you know, back then or a, or a hut or whatever they had to do or find somewhere to live. Yeah, but, um, but mine was a joke. Right. Oh, and, well, very, the, and very funny, I might add. The, 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 the problem is, is it kind of, um, you know, everybody thinks uh, prostitution is, is a victimless crime, crime. But real quick about human trafficking. Human trafficking is, they call it modern day slavery, um, but it involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act, and that includes like domestic servitude. My focus was mostly on um, sex trafficking, which has taken on to mean illegal sex trafficking involving uh, human trafficking. Um, sex trafficking used to cover all of prostitution, whether it was uh, um, somebody being forced into it or not. But right now it's, it's taken on, sex trafficking means uh, the elite, the, uh, the human trafficking aspect of um, of uh, the sex trafficking industry. And as far as the forced fraud and coercion go, even though it's used um, to get underage girls, and when I say underage, I'm talking about under 18, into prostitution, you don't need to prove that in court because they're underage. Well, we'll, uh, get, we'll get to that okay. later because I went through with a fine-tooth comb uh, your entire book. And... I think when most people think about human trafficking, you know, there was like movies in the 30s about white slavery. And, and right. in the 80s, there was a lot of movies about a model that gets kidnapped and then taken to Arabia, you know. Right, right. Uh, in, in practice now, uh, and your book, your book outlines it really well, it's actually many times prostitution wherein the, the girl gets... Uh, kind of trapped into a financial legal conundrum that she can't get out of. Right. And sometimes that actually involves a relationship with the trafficker or the pimp that we call them. Um, there's, um, there's a whole aspect, especially when the girl's underage, because um, uh, there's a, there's a um, law professor over at IU, Dr. Jennifer Drollback, who actually wrote a book on this. And she points out how the, the brain um, of a, you know, teenage girl isn't developed enough to consent to do all this stuff, you know, that's involved in sex trafficking. Right. And, um, and it, it, um, it, that's why we, when we finally got the law changed to, um, take the forced fraud and coercion away from the underage, um, sex trafficking, we started getting more cases. That that wasn't the case when we first had the law. The f federal law said we didn't have to prove that, but it's but there's, there's two different laws, state and federal law, and and the feds don't take every case you got. They want perfect cases. They kind of want, uh, you know, several girls involved if they can, mm -hmm. and they do, a, they do a really good job, but they're not going to take a 
really small time case. I mean, they're 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 looking for the big money, and 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 they should. That's kind of why we have the federal system to handle stuff that the state system can't handle. Right. Well, and and uh, you mentioned this, and I think it's a really obvious sort of logical point. You know that under the age of eighteen, you can't consent. I mean, we have lots of laws that that cover people under the age of eighteen that that they're not able. Uh, just because they're not an adult to consent to this. And so it makes a lot of sense that if you're under eight, 18, there, there are probably other laws that, that cover that. But over 18, uh, people are actually m- more vulnerable under the law unless they have a law like the one that you got changed, right? Right, right. Um, and the, here's the weird part about it, and, and this is why. Well, why are you writing a book on legalization to decriminalization then because there's a, this big push and, and I'm kind of including adults here too that are trafficked there was this big push to paint all every girl that's been pro, in prostitution and by the way they're trying to make the word prostitute a cuss word and the girls that are involved in this they're like they don't worry about that word they got a lot more things to worry about than the word but they're trying to make prostitute the new cuss word um you know, and they want to use girls that are prostituted. They never want to use the word prostitute. But, but the bottom line is, even with underage, there are some girls that are smart enough and tech savvy enough um, that, that have actually gotten themselves into it. However, in saying that, and if they would, de- if they would decriminalize even adult and juvenile uh, prostitution, the police are going to ignore it. I can tell you that they're already doing away with vice units around the country, and most of your undercover units handle dope and they don't even work undercover they use uh they use informants so they're not going to concentrate on it it's actually going to make trafficking worse not only that but your victim goes back to the trafficker quite often and it takes a couple times pulling them out to get them um you know to a safe spot to get them uh um i I don't use the word rescued because they rescue themselves to get them recovered and um it's almost the, like somebody that's in a, a cult or something, you know. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's a it's a um, they're dependent upon that system, and that's sort of the trap that they get in, you know, because they may have uh, already offended legally uh, and have stuff on their record, and they don't know anything else. So absolutely, it, and you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's we we kind of used to call it like domestic violence on steroids. We when I was first a cop, the uh, you know, women were staying with their husbands after being beat up and, you know, we're not understanding it. Why, why, why? Well, there's been tons of education on it. There's some dynamics going on. Um, if they don't have a good plan, if they don't have a place to go, plus they're used to it, that's their family. Believe it or not, sometimes they take on these other girls and these pimps as their family. And I've heard, I've heard one girl that was a victim say, um, I hate those girls, yet I miss them at the same time. Right. I hate that. I hate the pimp, the trafficker, but I miss him at the same time. Well, it's that it's, that thick as thieves saying. You know, it's a, it's a condition that they they all know. They're all in, and how can you really know anybody outside that system very well? You're you're, right. you're totally dependent upon these people for your income, your housing, your food, and everything else. Um, and your book makes the point that that some people, not all, but some people who want to stop human trafficking also want prostitution decriminalized and i read that and i'm like what that's that's like it seems counterintuitive well what they don't understand is that um prostitution 
some of them got into prostitution after they were doing other crimes. And you got to, the, 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 the uh, NGOs, which are non-governmental organizations that help us when, they, when we need them to like uh, provide clothes, housing, um, counseling service for these girls, they tend to believe everything. As, as, when you become a seasoned cop, an investigator especially, you can usually read through lies. And these girls have to lie to survive out there. They have to lie to the John. That's why a John is called a trick. They yeah. trick him into thinking they're, 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 that they care for the guy. Well, if, if, um, if they decriminalize it, basically what that means to police all around the country who are all understaffed anyways, that means, oh, good. Here's, I'm talking as a, as a chief would probably talk. Oh, good. We don't have to investigate prostitution anymore. I need those guys elsewhere anyways. And it's awful hard to put together a human trafficking case unless you have good undercover operations. Rarely do you get somebody that self-reports as a human trafficking victim. On top of that, we've only had, I believe, one, maybe two, I think just one, um, labor trafficking case in the, uh, in the state. Um, Labor trafficking is probably going on, you know, at a really high rate here in America. But, you know, we don't have, it's usually in ethnic areas, we usually don't have an ethnic undercover police officer to put out in a field to see if it's going on, you know, working out there, living among them. It costs a lot of money. Most departments don't have money for that. Right. And then the, the, the chiefs in some places, and certainly judges and prosecuting uh, attorneys, somewhat look at it as a victimless crime or or hey this is just uh, clogging up the system and whatnot one of the other points your book made and made it really well uh is that whereas you would think that uh, a, a vice uh cop or or anyone investigating this might be incredibly resented uh by the the girls that are being trafficked it ends up being no. They that's that's somebody that actually cares about their situation and and uh, cares about them as a person. Is that is that correct? That's absolutely true. That that when I was um we were funded. We had a uh, funded task force when I first started doing this uh, about ten about uh, ten years ago. I was in vice for a year or two before we we took it on. And um, going, I, I would have to go to Washington, D.C. for these big conventions, and they were talking about how vice cops are evil, and they don't, want, they don't want vice cops investigating it. And I'm like, what vice cops are you talking to? Every vice cop I know around the country, including the ones here in Indy, um, even though they have to arrest these girls, they care for them. If one of those girls, um, especially a streetwalker, says a streetwalker is a girl that um, walks the street and prostitutes. And by the way, most of the, the adult streetwalkers aren't being trafficked. They're out there because of the drug problem. They're, they're doing it to pay off their drug, the, to um, buy their dope. Well, if they tell us they're raped, you know, we, we, we stop what we're doing, get a report made, get them down to the sex crimes detective, and then we go out and we find or try to find that person that did it. Um, we are more, we, we, we have missing girls, you know, that are, that, that because they're missing, they're not considered a homicide that I'm quite sure aren't alive anymore because in any big city you have always one to two serial killers working. Now, does a serial killer work every week? No, they may go dormant 
for a year or two, three years, like the BTK killer did out, right. uh, you right. know, West. He went dormant for a long time before he came back out of uh, oh, hiding. It's like so, uh, 11 years or something, you know, right. a long time. And if and my whole thing is if you there, the one thing about arresting a girl on the street is she's safe for at least 12 hours and she might even get something to eat. And what we do here in uh, um, our health department, people go to the um, the arrestee processing center three times a week and they offer free checks for these girls and they give them they give them, you know, offer them counseling after they get out if they need it. And, um, you know, they do they, they'll check their blood to see if they've got any diseases. So there's definitely a care and concern for them. And we work with the health department. Um, I did this, uh, put together this, um, sweep one time sweeps when we get a lot of undercover officers and get a big to do going and we pick up as many girls as we can and we caught it test and release. So what we did was, um, I was real proud of this because I, cause I believe in New Jersey, they copied it after, uh, I put it together is we'd pick up a girl. If she didn't have any warrants and it wasn't a felony for, for the, for the prostitution, we would um, say, guess what? If you go and get checked out by the health department there, and they do is they take their blood and do a couple of tests, and they give them a follow-up date, you know, you know, basically open up medical services to them. If you go do that, we're going to write you a ticket, and you can just show up to court later on. That worked out really well, and we had 97% participation from the girls. Even some of the Johns, when we're talking about the uh, demand part of it, some of the Johns that we arrested um, went through it. Um, matter of fact, I think all of the Johns did got checked cause there's a, um, I don't know if it's going on now, but two year, two to three years ago, we had a problem with throat gonorrhea. Not too many people's heard about that, but it was spreading like crazy out in, in Marion County. And, um, so, uh, you know, they got with me. I'm like, let's, let's do this program. We did it. It worked really well. Um, I think we only got to do it a couple times before the, uh, I think the grant actually ran out by then. And, that's why you want a grant. You can fund the overtime for all the people you're going to have to, to bring in to do, do a big, uh, a big um, operation like that. Well, you know, you, you make the point. Now, when they did these tests, were they solely for uh, sexual diseases or were they also for drugs? Because you make the point um, getting just a ticket and show up for court is, is really a big thing for some of these girls because they are addicted to drugs and that being locked up, man, that keeps them away from their fix. And it that's does. that's no fun at all for them. So there is a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of benefit to them to not have to uh, right. be, be locked up. Well, for a while, you know, when I got over advice, that's all they were doing was summonsing these girls. And it wasn't, it wasn't doing anything other than clogging up the system. Um, and um, we, they didn't test, we don't, they didn't test for drugs. Um but they offered them counseling services that they could go to. And here's the sad part about addiction. Um, and I've had girls even tell me this. Um, even court-ordered counseling doesn't really work because they all say, I wasn't ready to quit yet. And I didn't hit, you know, even though you think this is rock bottom, you walk in the street, that's not rock bottom for some of them. And how many of these girls that have gotten out of prison have said getting locked up and put in prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. And apparently that's heard all the time in prison. So what, what's another thing that's going on is there's a push from, uh, you know, states like Illinois to follow what they're doing and they don't have a felony prostitution anymore. And I'm like that. Okay. Then you're not doing anything. You're not giving any incentive from the system 
to get these girls clean. You know, now we're, I know we're getting on, in, on into drug trafficking now, right. but uh, but the, the general concern is, you know, and, and we do. We always try to talk these girls into, you know, hey, we, we can get you help. There are plenty. The good thing about human trafficking, there are so many groups that popped up, even faith-based groups that will help get these girls out. If they'll they'll pay for um, they'll pay for uh, um, counseling. They'll pay for um, uh, if they have to get in in treatment for their drugs. One of them is a uh, Christie's house right here in um, Indianapolis. She she handles adults only and doing a real good job. And she's faith based too. But but you know they these girls it's something. Do they fall off the uh, wagon once in a while? Absolutely. But but the thing is. They're starting to get clean, and they're starting to do the right thing, and you need people. Police can't do that. We can talk to them and try to help them, but we can't have, you know, hey, come on, you know, come on down to the station. We're going to have a counseling session on, on why drugs are bad. They already know drugs are bad. Right, right. Well, and, and you mentioned we're getting into a lot of other things, but that's one of the things. It's not just about the sort of the, the law, the, the crime itself, as it is in the statutes. So many you know, lifestyle sort of psychographic elements combine to create a situation where a, a girl is trapped in this uh, need, you know, obviously we all have a need to have a roof over our head and where's our next meal coming from and all that. Once they get, you know, into that sort of vicious circle of being under control, the necessity to please their pimp, to go back out, to have drugs or any of these other things, it really is a trap from a lifestyle standpoint. And, and, and there's some commonalities with uh, especially young girls, the uh, underage girls that get caught up into it. Um, commonalities, but not all. So such as, um, you know, single parent family, um, the girl may have been molested as a kid. Um, you know, they say runaways within, there's a stat out there or that, you know, within 24 hours or something like that, if you're a runaway, um, you're going to be approached to traffic, you know, they 13 or 14 is kind of the age they get into. But, but as I say that we've had several girls from good families up in Carmel, Carmel, Indiana for, for your, your listeners is Kind of well, you know what about it? You, you you know it, it's kind of a nice area, nicer area. Kind of, yeah. If Indiana, the girls' and, swim team just won their thirty-first uh, state championship uh, in a exactly. row. I mean, the, this is awesome. this is the maybe not so much anymore. When I was there, it was the affluent suburb that everybody wanted to live there. I mean, the best it, schools, it, the you know all of that. And it still is. And um, thank, but, thank it, you. It was, it was ironic how many. Girl, you know, because everybody's like, oh, this is just inner city girls. No, it's not. It can be any girl now. And um, it could be any girl that, that gets caught up into it. Um, and it's not hard to schmooze a young girl into believing that, hey, I love you. Come with me. Um, let's party. I got some money. Um, after, after they hang out a couple of days, uh, these young kids, they say they love each other after like one day. My, you know, I see that in my own, um, you know, family. Uh, and after a while, the pimp, the pimp, who this girl thinks is her boyfriend, says, hey, I need you to make some money for me. You know, you know, if you love me, you'll do this. It's just, it's, anyways, it's just sex. I know you're not loving these guys, but we can make a lot of money. And, um, you know, this partying gets kind of expensive. And, you know, I, you know I'll, 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 I'll be security for you. I'll watch you. I'll take care of you. Um, but you, you need to earn the money. And, I'll pay, oh, by the way, you'll, you'll make money, too, which is the biggest lie right there. 
um, most of the time we get when they get these girls to turn around, you know, when you're interviewing them, it takes a long time. You interview them and you say, hey, um, you know, we don't, we, we don't always call him the pimp. You know, we just say, who is he? Well, he's my, my manager. He's my security. And then, um, and then you say, uh, you know, you, they finally tell you how much they charge, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's take away the fact, you know, because we caught him in prostitution. I, I tell him, let's take away the fact that you were, um, this, it's, it's not even illegal. You're not in trouble anyways, because at this point, we're going to help the girl out. Even if we can't put a good case together, at this point, we're going to help the girl out because, it, because we're finding out the truth finally. But I say, take away the fact that it's illegal. How, how much money did you get to keep? Well, none, but, you know, he, he I got my nails done one day, and, you know, he'll buy me a cheeseburger every couple hours to and eat. A, and and like, he got me a tattoo, and he, he, yeah, he yeah. took and, me out that, to a club once, you know. And it's usually a tattoo with a name branded on We can get back to that in a minute. Yeah. Well, and then I say, well, don't you think since you did all the work, and this is where all human trafficking involves labor. You'll never hear that anywhere else but here. All human trafficking is labor trafficking, but not, not all labor trafficking is sex trafficking. Right. So, um, and they say, well, you kind of earn that money. That's your money. Don't you agree? And that's where they kind of turn around and see, why am I doing all this? And down deep, they don't feel good about it, even though some of them, even after we lock up the trafficker, go back into the business because that's all they know, and it's quick money, and um, it's easier than going through school, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them end up going back into the lifestyle and, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of heartbreaking, but at least they're not being trafficked after that. Well, and if you've, if you've allowed your self-esteem to degrade to the point that you're doing this all the time, I mean, it, it, it takes a toll. Just the notion that this is easy. I can turn my brain off. I'll get fed. I'll have a roof over my head. There'll probably be some cable TV. You know, you know, you know. One of the the most heart heart uh, wrenching thing is personally here. Once again, this isn't the police department talking. Is you know, you you really get to know these girls, and you're like, you they, you know, sex between two people could be the most wonderful thing God did for two people. I believe it's it's the most personal thing in the world. These girls are at the point where they're like, I don't like it. I don't. Even if I find somebody I'm in love with one day, I don't think I'll ever enjoy it again. I'll do it because I have to. And that's a that's a shame because yeah. something that's supposed to be natural between two people has become a machine. Yeah. And, um, and, and another thing, too, real quick about decriminalization, even, even the women's rights group that kind of support decriminalization and uh, legalization, you're basically saying it's okay to sell another human being because that is exactly what's going on. And they're like, well, we'll get um, at least the governmental control and all this. Well, do you know that around um, Las Vegas, where it's legal, it's legal in the communities in the uh, in the uh, surrounding counties of Las Vegas. It's still illegal in Las Vegas, right. and they still have over twenty five hundred illegal prostitution arrests a year. So even if it is legal, there's going to be other people doing it illegally because well, it'll be controlled. Well, do you know that some of those brothels they don't let black people into, black men into. Um, there are girls that are escorts. Some pimps who are black won't let their girls see other African-American men because um, there's a couple reasons for it. Because they're afraid that that person is going to rip off their girl or, or not pay them enough or they're going to try. You can steal 
somebody's girl from a pimp. So, or another pimp's going to come along and try to steal her. So there's, there's some very racial things. There's some girls that refuse to do guys that are uncircumcised. I mean, who's going to control the, I'm not going to do this person because he's Jewish. I'm not going to do this person, you know, that's because they're fat or he's in a wheelchair or, uh, you know, I had a conversation. Oh, it was a few months ago, uh, with a, just a devout feminist. And she was telling me, we got into this big harangue where she was like, well, marriage is prostitution. Because, you know, if, if the woman stays at home and bears the kids, then she basically has to do whatever the man wants to, uh, you know, and, and he makes all the money. She doesn't get any and he, she has to be there for sex. So marriage is prostitution. And I'm just like looking at her like, are you insane? I mean, are you, are you totally insane? Uh, you mentioned the controlled legal prostitution. A lot of people think it's a victimless crime. Uh, what other problems are there in you well, know, Reno, you, I think, yeah, is the you, biggest place. And then if you go to Amsterdam, they have it. And, right. oh, uh, the girls like, are tested in various intervals, which is, I think, one of the few good things is that they test them medically. Um, that's, that's a great question because what's happened here in America, then I'm going to um, then I'm gonna go to Europe, and then I'm going to Israel. So here in America, in, in, the, um, in Reno and around Vegas, they've had girls that were trafficked into the brothels. Basically, the brothels would hire them, and they got out and they have to give their money all to their pimp. So even having the brothels isn't necessarily going to save these girls from being trafficked. Um, in Europe, after um, they, they have a problem in Sweden, what they did is they, did crimi- they criminalized the... Yeah, I love, I love this. They, they, they didn't... Yes. They didn't hold the girls responsible uh like we do more of the time here they said no that's okay it's the purchase of sex right. that's illegal Which, so the johns uh they kind of took the the opposite tact well i spoke to a couple swedish police officers uh about that because they they came here and they talked it did cut down on their street walking um prostitution but it all went inside and i said well who's investigating the girls now, can you go, since it's not illegal, do you have, do you have undercovers trying to see, you know, the escorts basically is what they are. They work out of hotels and, and they're like, no, we can't, we don't do it. I said, and then there's this big thing where Russian organized crime, we'll get back to Russian organized crime in a minute too, is moving girls now into Sweden because they're not going to get arrested and they're not going to have to be bailed out even in that country by, by the, by their uh, traffickers. And, and, and pulled out. They're they're pretty safe now because Sweden decriminalized it. And you know, Sweden tells you the good side of it, but they, you don't get to hear the bad side of it except from like some of the independent um, uh, newspapers over there. Now, Israel, I got a um, uh, lab, R- Rabbi uh, Levi Lauer. He's uh, I cite him in my book. They got a, they decriminalized prostitution, and there's a law, and I can't think of the name of it. Basically, if you can show that you're by your, that you're Jewish, Israel has to let you in as a citizen. It's, it, 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 it was started after World War II to, to get you know, Jews over there that were being kicked out of their countries. Well, since it's decriminalized, there are brothels in Israel. Once again, Russian organized crime are making fake IDs, and they're good fake IDs, they're good fake passports, they're real passports with fake names on it, and having these girls go to Israel 
under the guise of being Jewish, Russian Jew, and they may not have a lick of Jewish blood in them. I'm not. I'm definitely. They're definitely not the religious Jews, but they're not blood Jews either. But they're getting over there, and they're making a lot of money for Russian organized crime. And the and um, the Israeli police, um, last I heard, weren't doing a thing about it because they really can't. It's it's decriminalized, and it, you know Israel, their their police have a heck of a lot more things to worry about than <laughs> right. what's going on in the brothels. I mean, it's, that's that's and, and even even here, um, they have to say, well, how important is human trafficking on the overall scale with the um, with the with the feds, it was kind of halfway up, you know. Of course, terrorism was way up at the top, and they, I don't know what was at the bottom. But I was glad to see it was at least halfway up in their importance scale of um, of crimes. But um, the 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 in America here, the um, partnerships now that we have with the feds are awesome. We work with Homeland Security and the FBI. I'm telling you, um, it's probably the one of the best things that's happened to local law enforcement back in the '90s. I would have never thought I'd be working with the feds, and I and I didn't want to because there's this disconnect after 9/11 that a lot of that changed. And um, we worked with the a local FBI here; they're awesome. Um, Homeland Security here, everything's Homeland Security. All they want to do is deport. Not true, man. They think one of the girls are being or guys, even guys, are being trafficked. They 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 go out of their way. Um, if, a, if a person's being trafficked, they can. Um, get a T visa. It's a trafficking visa that keeps them here. If there's a case going on, it's called continued presence. Um, it makes it a little easier to become a uh, citizen, but it doesn't guarantee it. It helps. Um, so there, so, so people think, uh, you know, ICE, all they want to do is deport. That is just not true. They, um, they actually are very much concerned for, um, immigrants, whether they're, you know, whether they just got here illegally or they've been here a while. They're concerned about them, but they're going to do their job too. But their 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 thing is first is uh, is um, human rights and taking care of the person before anything else. Well, like, you, I can tell you that for a fact. You mentioned uh, you outlined really well in your book the three elements of human traffic, and you mentioned them earlier: force, fraud, and coercion. Yeah. And uh, I want to go over those one by one. But first, one of the things in your book that I thought was was really sort of uh, interesting from a police standpoint was that regardless of a, the crime you bring a, a girl in on, whether it's a possession of drugs or actual prostitution, once they tell you that they're in a human trafficking situation, all of that stops. Right. Immediately. Unless, yep. Unless we find out later on, and sometimes we do because those girls get smart. Yeah. And, and they'll make up a big story just to get out of going to jail for a while. But that's where good investigators, that's where the NGOs, you know, the social workers, um, they're just not as good. They, they're, they're, they're trained a different way. They're and they should, yeah. and they should believe the girls. Yeah. But um, they, they don't know good, good. And you can verify some things. You can verify where they've been. Um, that's the beauty about having, um, you know. Um, Cell phones and. Cell phone, oh, cell phones, uh, electronic ads here in the States. I wish they wouldn't have shut down Backpage. Um, we could actually find them a lot easier. Now that they are uh, putting pressure on Backpage, it's going to be more difficult to find people that are trafficked. And the old uh, Craigslist sex oh, tra services. Craigslist, Craigslist were great with the, with the, uh, with the um, feds especially. They, um, they developed the first programs. A lot of these girls will put numbers on there so you can't Google the number. Like they'll put the um, – they'll write the uh, – the first three uh, parts of an area code, and they'll, they'll one use of the a B yeah. instead of an, an eight, and things right, like that. Right, right. 
but uh, they they um, developed a program um, that uh, deciphered all that and really helped the feds out. Then you know, of course, uh, I think it was Cook County up in Chicago. Um, he was the or the Illinois AG. Somebody sued them, and they're like, "Well, we're not going to go through this. We're going to shut it down." Yeah. Another another great tool um, that was uh, that was that got done away with under under. And my whole thing is with those ads. And, and I had this problem with illegal gambling. The the um, the bookies set their uh, um, computers up offshore. If they're offshore, they do not have to answer subpoenas. Um, is that, that how they do the the sort of the Eros? There's an Eros.com, which is just nothing but escorts. Yes, and uh, for some reason, Eros uh, was not available in Indiana, and I don't know how that happened. Uh, because I remember girls saying that they, they couldn't get on Eros in Indiana. Um, but, yeah, that's how they do that. And, um, you know, Backpage actively looked for um, girls being trafficked. And they answered subpoenas rather quickly. And the stuff they gave us might not have been enough for a state case. But the fact that they sent it over electronic lines made it uh, really good for a federal case. And the... Um, the uh, the uh, what we need for child pornography on a state level is different on a federal level. They're actually more lax, and they can get them on almost anything. And these idiots send totally nude pictures of these girls sometimes, and they know they're under eight, under eighteen. That's child pornography on a federal level. That's another thing the feds can go after them on. So so by shutting down Backpage, and I've gotten even in arguments with um, with uh, um, lawmakers about this and i'm like you are taking a tool away from the police you're not asking police about this you are very good on the victim end this is wrong i said we need that we can look at back page or something like that as a trap yeah but if you but if it goes offline then you've just you've really made once again the intention was good and sh- and yeah maybe we shouldn't have it in our backyard like that but at least we can catch them easier i'd rather right. do it that way Right. Well, the, now, so the three elements are force, fraud, and coercion. Force. What? What actually is that? Force is um, when the when um, the girl doesn't want to do it. Um, you know, that's that's the, the pimp beating on her. I had a, a Chinese girl from China who was brought here under the guise, which would be the fraud, that she was going to be selling car parts in America, and she gets to Flushing, New York, where they all end up landing. I'm talking about my Chinese girls. And she was taught the restaurant business and the massage business. And when she told, when she said that I, I thought I was going to do this, she was slapped by the lady training her how to do massages and said, you owe us money. You're not going anywhere until it's, till that debt's paid off. And with Chinese families, it's usually about an 80,000 American dollar debt for gambling back in China. Uh-huh. So that's the force part. The fraud part is, hey, you're going over there to uh, sell cars or... Or, um, um, you know, hey, you're coming to America, and this is an actual case here in Indianapolis. You're coming to America from Mexico to, um, you're going to work as a house, housemaid, and then they get her here, and they're like, now, actually, what we need you to do, since you owe us $5,000, is we're gonna, you're going to take this harness, and you're going to go steal baby formula from the, the Walmarts all around the, uh, the central Indiana. And you have to do it, or else, um, and, they, and, and they take away their, they hold their passports, which is a sign of being trafficked. So that's the, that's the fraud. You're coming in here to do something else, but you're going to do this, and you got to do it. And the coercion is, hey, if you don't do it, 
I'm either going to beat you or else, guess what? Your family owes us money back in, in whatever country you're at. And we got people back there, and they do. They're from usually from the same area. Um, we will kill your family. And it comes well, right down to that. Well, and in China, you mentioned in your book that one of the things is it's a, a matter of great shame that that yeah. someone's doing this, and so they'll let it be known that that that's what's being done, and that it, that because of their strict you know societal uh, beliefs, that's a huge no 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 that oh. that's that's worse than being beaten sometimes. I I averaged up because back when we when we had the um, grant, it was easier to hire a translator. Translators are rather expensive, and they're well worth it. You even got to vet your translators. They're from the same community. You got to be very careful because you're going to be dealing with some stuff um, that 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 that's cultural, yeah, but it's not legal here. So, um, but I, I counted up one day and I probably interviewed before I was done and over with about a hundred Chinese women. I've only had one woman come close, one woman come clean, and she got arrested at a massage parlor down in um, Martinsville. And luckily the judge down there, you know, everybody thinks Martin was this big racist area. The judge down there saw this Chinese woman coming in to court for her trials, not her jury trial, but her trials with her suitcases. The judge had been through human trafficking training. So she froze everything, had her lawyer contact me. I made her lawyer pay for the uh, thing. And this girl told me it was a very historical case, the whole story. And I knew she was telling the truth because I've heard every bit of this story up until the fact they were being forced. None of these girls would admit to it. They would just say how they got in. And this girl, it was she She literally worked her way out of being trafficked. And once she got involved in the massage business, I said, I said okay, since you're done, you've paid off your debt, we're going to let you run one of these massage parlors. You'll get most of the money now since you're the madam. And you send the rest back up to China. You know, It all ends up back to China. We see these money grams all the time going back to China. And it's, and it's very big um, organized crime over there. They do it through uh, travel agencies. Fate. We, we're not even sure on the passports if this is the exact person from China. That right. might be another thing, too. Say, they, okay, this is you're going to be your Chinese name over in America. Um, if you end up doing something, end up dead, even if, even if you have your passport on you, nobody's going to know who you really are. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, so and, it, and, and the way the Chinese girls come in is kind of interesting. They'll fly in usually with a nut, with a man to make it look like they're a couple. They call them a jockey. They land in. They usually land in Los Angeles, and then they're trapped. They're trafficked. They're driven to a uh, safe house, and they're, they're usually in Arkansas, Texas, maybe a few other places. There's one in in L.A. Um, and then they're shot straight to Flushing, which is in Queens, and they're they all go there for training. All these girls have New York IDs with with Flushing, New York on it. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it, it's that's a whole thing. But but you're talking about the family dynamics. You're right. There's there's a lot of shame in it. They know that they're gonna if they even admit to it. So so going to jail sometimes is actually better for them. Um, you know because you're we can't give them all that. Nobody's gonna go back and protect their family in um in China. The girl, only reason the girl told me what she did because her family had already died off in China, and she actually met a man over here and. And married him, but she was still indebted, and so she had no problem telling me everything. And luckily, through um, who we were working with, we we got her some help and got her out of it, and she's living a normal life now. It's a, it's one of the few success stories uh, 
I got, and it wasn't even a real. I couldn't do the case, work the case because it was way too historical. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, because at that point she wasn't being trafficked anymore. Well, and as if, as if the the people keeping the books are going to be, oh hey, we looked uh, just uh, yesterday. You paid us all back. See ya. Right, right. Yeah, everything's and, cool now. You know, you're never going to so, pay that debt off. They're going right, to add right. more for you staying there. It's like being a model from a foreign country in in New York. You know, they they get them into these houses and these uh, condos, and and they go do a few shoots and stuff, and think, oh, I've paid my money to to come over here back, and they're like, well, no, no, you still have the bill for staying in the condo. Absolutely, and yeah. you know, in our in our. Um, Mexican brothels here, um, those are hard to find, but when we do, they're usually in an apartment. Um, there, there will be a, uh, like a pantry and then the pantry, there's, uh, you know, several things of soap, feminine items. There's a big box of condoms usually. Um, but they have to pay like 20 bucks sometimes for a bar of soap. That's how they, they, they make money off these girls as much as they can. Right. Um, and, uh, um, you know, some of them do get some freedom. I mean, it's not like they're stuck in there all day. Sometimes they're allowed to go to the store, but where else they can go? I mean, they don't have their passports. Yeah. They're in a foreign country. They don't speak our language. There's, we have Chinese girls that have been here six years, and they don't speak a lick of English. Just hey, a few words to get through the massage. The local, uh, the recent political election uh, taught me that there's people who have lived here their whole lives that don't. Anyway. Uh, uh, what about the coercion aspect? What is that? That's the threatening part. That's, uh, when you, uh, threaten, um, you know, I'm going to, I'll beat you. I'll, I'm going to beat you if you don't do this, or I'm going to kill your family. Um, even locally they do that. Well, I know where you live. You're easy to find. You told me all about where your mom lives. I'll get you. So you're just going to do this. Um, but I don't want to do that because I love you. I mean, it's real easy. And, and you know, when I used to teach a young, you know, people, uh, especially young police officers about human trafficking, they're like, well, why, how, how do these girls, uh, how do these guys know these girls are good for trafficking? Well, I'm like, they get good at it. I mean, police officers, usually within a minute or two, when they first come across somebody, they can tell if the person's being tr- going to be truthful, if they're, if, they're, if they're hiding something, just by their, by their um, you know, behavior. And I, I use this example, and this is an actual example that happened to a girl here in Indianapolis um, and I believe she was from Carmel too, but she was working down here in Indy and she's out taking Car- a Carmel, taking a black eye on the show today. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, it just shows that everybody's vulnerable. Well, she's out, she's taking a break from her. Um, she worked at a mall here in Indy. She's taking a break and she, she smoked cigarettes. So she was out taking a cigarette break. Well, this guy comes up to her and says, uh, he sees her, sees her alone says, Hey, uh, what's a fine girl like you doing out here? Um, I'm just taking a break. Your boyfriend's going to be jealous. All these guys are going to be hitting on you. Oh, I don't have a boyfriend. Boom. That's number one. Well, you ought to, what are you doing after work? You ought to come and hang out. And uh, you may show her his money. He's flashy. He's probably got a lot of bling on him. He shows, well, um, he goes, unless your parents don't like it. Well, it's just my mom and she'll be working, so I probably could. Bam. He knows that it's a, she's going to have daddy issues. And the one big name these pimps use are daddy because they know that, they're, that these girls – um, don't have a, a, a father to protect them at home, and they want somebody that's that's going to protect them, and he's going to love them and protect them just like the daddy would. Well, they're looking you, they're looking for that low hanging fruit, you know, working absolutely. at a mall, working as a waitress, working at you know a car wash, whatever it is. They they figured that part out, and they're not dumb either. 
No. If if the girl if they if they go up to a girl and she's immediately put off by them, way too much self esteem. You know, can't can't turn this one. Or yeah, uh. or if she looks them in the eyes and says, "Get away from me," you know, or you know, they won't they won't mess with that. They don't want a strong a strong girl. No. Because uh, a strong girl is going to ultimately say, and, and and some of them, you know, have have got I've gotten strength. Ultimately, say, "I'm done with you. I'm getting out of here." You know. Well, and, and we'll get to it in a while, a little bit more. But for those who don't know, I am from Carmel, so I, <laughs> I, I uh, just a little, little. You you had your disclaimer. There's my disclaimer. Well, the, the thing about it is, they they they're not um, usually working up in Carmel. Carmel Police Department's great. They're they're one of the, to me, they're one of the best departments in the state. But they got to come down to where the market is. The market's down in Indy, where you got close to a million people. Yeah, well, they go and they work at Glendale Mall, Castleton Mall, or they, sure. you know, there's no mall. Well, they're Keystone Square Mall, but it's not really right. a mall. It's a, there, there's there's no real quote unquote mall until you cross 96th Street, and then there's the Fashion Mall and all the other all, right. all the other places, um, unless you want to work at Jack's Tool Rental. Um, <laughs> the uh, now the pimps themselves. As we're getting in on this, not the greatest guys on earth. No, they're usually um, they're usually former dope dealers, and the reason they switch over to pimping is when you sell dope, it gets used up. You have to go back to a supplier and replenish the your your people with their dope. Who wants it, right? With with a girl, you can sell her around the clock if you really want to. You're stupid if you do because. Um, they they still need to rest and they, they it's very cheap. I mean, for a cost of a cheeseburger, you know, and then the girls are paying for the room because their money is what's going to pay for that room. Um, the the pimp really doesn't have to do anything except sit back. Sometimes the pimps aren't even in the same state, but and then there's a there's a whole anarchy to it. There's usually one girl called the bottom that runs the rest of the girls. The bottom usually thinks she's the only girlfriend to the pimp, and she part time prostitutes, but she keeps the other girls in line or from getting out of pocket, so to speak. Well, and they graduate into that. In other words, they've right. done it for so long, maybe they they can't even work as much as they used to. They're getting older. They've been through the life. They look, you know, haggard or whatever. And and, and they look old and they're not. That's part of the problem. And we got twenty year olds. There was one girl that we caught one year and then two years later we got her again and she was twenty five and my partner and I were like Oh my God, she's aged at least ten years in the last two years. That and uh, you know the um, the whole situation where they're um, uh, with drugs. The 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 police will pursue drug cases, you know, and True. you're eventually going to have to go back to that supplier, like you said. That's an easier way to get caught, you know, yourself. Because, you know, you're, you're going to have that supply with you or have to interact with it at some point. Whereas the girls, you can sit at home and, hey, man, I don't know. She just brought me some money. I wasn't going right. to turn it down, you know. And if you can't tie um, that pimp to the girls, um, if like like if the girls are putting the uh, their own ads on or whatever, it, it can be rather difficult. Um, you, you have to have some good good evidence other than usually just the uh statement of the the, the young lady but um there's other ways to do it you won't you won't get into all that how to get them there but um now we'll say this about pimps we've had um a pimp can be from any walk of life however there's a lot of them that are young african-american males and um one of my 
one of the issues I have here in Indianapolis is the faith-based community has been great. Um, I've spoken at several churches. They, they're the ones who keep this going. They donate a lot of money. They, they want to do whatever they can help. I've only spoke at one black church here in uh, Indianapolis, and they, and they were wonderful to speak at, and they, and they were going to try to spread the word to get me to spread the word. And, and the problem I have with that is who was the last people in America to be actually held slaves? Right, you know, right. Exactly. It, it was African-American people. And, um, and um, I got, obviously, you know, I got family that are African-American. I don't want to see anything happen to anybody. But I think that community needs to step up and even and, and bring it up in their churches. And if they get one person not to do it, they've done a good job. It might be, I'm sure there's nobody, there could be churches where nobody's doing it. But they may touch on to one young man who's thinking about making money that way and say, hey, listen, you know what? This is wrong. This is why... What our people cause what happened to our people for 400 years. If you're doing it to your own people, you're just as bad as the, uh, you know, the, the the slave slave owners back in the, um, you know, 1800s. Well, and, this, and and a lot of people don't, you know, there's that, uh, you know, normally popularized by Hollywood, the the high priced call girl, you know, that's making a couple grand for one oh, yeah, one yeah. thing and. It, I have to imagine that that those those girls probably don't have pimps, or, well, or maybe they do, and 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 whatnot. Um, and and not, pe- people people look at that and they're like, well, it's really hard for me to get worked up about that. Well, here's the deal, and 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 the, the, like the, the movie, uh, Pretty Woman. It was a great movie, and all, but it, it kind of puts prostitution on. Like, are there are there um, women at that level? Absolutely, and we there's no way to get them. They don't advertise. They have. Um, very few, um, very few uh, customers um, in Indianapolis here. I won't say which law firm it is, but there's there's uh, um, women that work at these law firms. They're not lawyers, but they are they they are sold between lawyers, you know, and they make a lot of money. These are these you know big lawyers, and they make a heck of a lot of money on their side job, other than what they're doing at the law firm. And it's a whole level that the police are never going to be able to get because um, it's you've got to have good undercover operations the way the law is set up in most states, including in Indiana. And that's, but that's very hard for some people to do. I mean, you have to uh, you have to be very selective. You've got to be clean of uh, pretty clean of drugs for the most part to do something like that. And um, you know, you if you, you can't advertise, and but these girls um, and these pimps they get if they're pimped you know, pimped out or trafficked, they got to make money. So they've got to be advertised to the market. Yeah. Uh, well, and then there was the, you know, like the Heidi Fleiss case or the Long Island Madam. Those yeah. cases, they didn't, they didn't get them necessarily for what they were doing. You know, they, there was a, somebody that they, you know, caught on tax evasion and they see these right. charges or something else. They're not, they're not, you know, out in the open. Are there, are there actually beneficial pimps, you know, guys that are really taking care of their girls and they sign them up at a community college and, you know, is that, no, has that honestly, ever happened? I, I've never heard of that. Most of these pimps are, are lazy butts, man. I'm, they're, they're usually way overweight. I had, I'm not kidding. I'm telling you, I had one that was 600 pounds. I had to, I had to, um, um, push my, and I'm not doing, telling you this to make fun of him, but I had to push my seat way up. He was so big, I had to put like three pair of handcuffs on him and put him in the back of my car, and and I, I'm like, he was all, he was getting government assistance for being um, 
not be able to work. I, I said, why can't you work? He worked at his chicken fact, this uh, chicken factory down in Texas. I said, well, why can't you work? He goes, because I'm too fat. And I, and, and I, I blew up. And I said, well, then eat a salad. I said, I said, what you're doing now is shameful. You're getting government assistance and you're pimping out a girl. You know, well, and, and the cheeseburger was easy for him because he would just throw her one of the extra ones. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, some of us have the version of what prostitution is, and we probably derived it from episodes of Dragnet or NYPD Blue. What What's like a day in the life of of somebody who's in one of these situations like? Well, um, basically, let's talk about the streetwalkers first. The, if they're not t- if they're not sleeping or sleeping off one of their highs, they get up and they go out and they earn twenty bucks, usually by usually by fellatio. If if um, once in a while they do full blown for fifty to hundred bucks, they go back, they buy their dope, and they get high, and maybe get a little something to eat until the next time they wake up and they go out and get their money. So they basically buy. They sell themselves and they go buy dope. Um, they're usually, unfortunately, on the street girls, like we we're talking about them aging, they age so fast. You, If you see a girl dressed, uh, a really beautiful girl out there walking, she's not been out there very long. And I always say every now and then you find a rose in a thorn bush because, because you catch, get these girls who are like, why? And they just started their drug habit. There's a very pretty girl out there right now that's aging aging. I've been trying to get her out of it for a long time. I'm still in touch with her mom, trying to get her out for a long time. She's got a child for crying out loud and she's very pretty, but there's, but you know, she's been off, even off our grid for the last, uh, several months. So who knows what happened to her? I mean, unless she's contacting her mom once in a while, she could be missing too. Yeah. Um, so that's, so that's your, that's your street walkers. It's basically, um, a little to eat, Get high as much as you can, and now it's that heroin. You know, heroin is just crazy out there, and meth. Um, that's that's got these girls uh, locked in, locked into the street. Um, oh, and the meth! All you have to do, I mean, it's on the internet where they show somebody their first arrest, and then they show another arrest nine months to a year and a half later, and you're like, oh my god, is that the same person? I know, I know, and, and there's a statistic. I don't, I, I. I it, it, it's, it's not a very good one, but it's, I don't know how accurate it is that from when you start meth, it's two years until you die. I've known girls have lived longer than that, but it's a pretty scary statistic. I mean, well, if, I mean, think about it. If you know you're going to die in five years from doing something, why would you do it? Well, you know? the, the heroin statistic is if you're, if you're using heroin with a needle and you use it for two years, the odds are that 90% you're going to have hepatitis C. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you yeah. just it's the handwriting is on the wall. It's it's not a it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Uh I, it, it, I was in San Francisco on an advertising uh job back in the mid 90s and uh was staying at at a really nice hotel. I'll say the Hotel Monaco. Now I don't know if they've cleaned it up or not. But at night when when I would leave the hotel to go to a restaurant, uh the street was just full of streetwalkers. I mean, like <laughs> out in the broad open daytime, you, you walk down the street two blocks, a girl was approaching you. 
you know, just start walking next to you. Hey, what are you doing? You know, and I just, it still to this day boggles my mind. It, it's, uh, well, and, and their, and their prime targets were serial killers. Gary Ridgway, I spoke with, um, Congressman Reichley. He was, a, he was, a, he was the, uh, um, sheriff. The, yeah. the Green River Killer, for yes, those of yes. you who don't know Gary Ridgway. And, and I think uh, known to have 50, he, he murdered 50 people, yeah, all he, of them women. He said he picked, yeah, he said he picked prostitutes because nobody would care if they were missing. You know, and that's why, that's why they're so easy to, to, to pick up. Now, I will say this too, if there's a really, really pretty one walking out there, or the men who like to go out there and pick the girls up, there's a really good chance that's a dude. The, the uh, trannies, the transvestites out there, um, are usually make themselves up really nice, and 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 unless you are looking really hard, you're and see a big Adam's apple, which some of them don't have. You might not know that that's not a uh, not a woman. So you got to be careful there too. Um, now the escorts, they're they usually still stay in one place sometimes a week, and uh, escorts are go all over the country to big cities. Um, they'll stay in one place a week, and they, um, they 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 kind of work when the pimp wants them to work. Sometimes they work around the clock um, until until they sleep. Sometimes sometimes he lets they let them have drugs. A lot of times they don't. They don't want if they're on drugs, they don't get their work done. Um, they may let them smoke a little weed once in a while, but for the most part, a lot of the pimps don't let them do any drugs. Is this a situation where a girl has a certain dollar figure to hit every day that he expects or is this a situation where you know you come back from a job and you're expected to give this much of it to me every time you do it and it's not so much you know i expect you to make me three hundred dollars every day some sometimes it is but here's the problem they're not their phones aren't always going to be going off the hook so if nobody's calling them from the ad, from the ad, then there's not not much the pimp can do. But but yeah, right, every now and then they're like, yeah, I have to make this much and I can do whatever I want afterwards. Every now and then you hear that, but for the most part, it's uh and there's there's plenty of um demand out there. They 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 do pretty good without having to have a a quota, you know, because there's right. there's there's, dif- there's different rates for a half hour and an hour, um, and um, and oh, and that's another thing too is uh, uh you know if they if they the girls they end up stealing from each other because they can't keep the money. And I mean, it, it becomes a really volatile situation. Um, you know, sometimes when police officers get runs to, uh, hotel rooms on a domestic, they dig deep enough. They can usually, they usually realize, ah, this is a, um, this isn't a couple situation. This is a pimp, pimp, uh, you know, a sex worker situation. Right. And, uh, and, and young uniform cops are getting really, really good at recognizing that now. And there's not always something we can do about it just from that. We might, if you know, um, one, one issue is difficult. It's difficult to vet underage girls sometimes. That's why, um, you know, you know, vetting, we, if we, it's difficult to vet our own people in this country. It's going to be real difficult. You know, that's a whole different story. I don't know what they're using to vet people coming into this country, but even in our own country, we can't tell when a girl's an adult or not, so we sometimes lock them up as an adult. And we, yeah, there's one out there still that there's a there's a detention order, which is a juvenile warrant. I could tell she'd been abused. Her neck had scars on it, um, but we couldn't prove what age she was. She had no ID on her. Um, all we could do was lock her up. That's another reason why it's a good idea to keep it to keep it um, 
illegal because now we got this young lady's fingerprints on file. So if she ends up, once she becomes an adult, ends up getting arrested, we'll know who she is. And if she ends up dead somewhere, we'll be able to identify her. My problem with decriminalizing juvenile prostitution is, um, well, for one, we don't. We need to process our runaways. A lot of times, unless the runaway has ran away so much, a judge says, "Hey, there's going to be a, a juvenile warrant out for her. We're going to bring her back here and and detain her for a while until we figure out what we're going to do in the system with her." And they're not going to be kids. Never end up doing time unless they do something horrible. Right. Um, no. By the way, no juvenile has ever been sent to girl school for prostitution. And that, that, I always bring that up to people who think that we lock up and put our girl, young girls in prison for pride. We don't. The juvenile system is set up as parents patrie, where the, the state takes over being the parents, and they get them into programs. You have to do something horrible. Not only that, but Indiana Girls School is not that big. There's, hardly any, there's not a whole lot of girls out there, juvenile girls out there. Well, anyways... Right. Um, Oh, where was I going with this? Well, I, um, you know, go ahead. Uh, Ashton Kutcher, uh, in his in his uh, testimony the other day, I am not a big Ashton Kutcher fan as far as being an actor. I, you know, I didn't like the '70s show that much, and you know, he's whatever. Who cares about that? Right. I think uh, I am kind of a big fan of his now after seeing that. Uh, I love the fact that he started this company that's developing this software that helps track these people, be they here in this country or especially, you know, overseas in places like Cambodia and Thailand. Uh, you watched uh, you watched that. What did you what did you take away from it? Well, I, I loved how passionate he was about it. And um, quite honestly, one of the reasons I left human trafficking is because my daughter was at the age of these girls I get trafficked, you know, it was, you know, starting to get, you know, and I'm like, it was starting to hit home a little bit. And, um, plus doing it for 10 and a half years, you, you, you know, you need to take a break once in a while. Um, well, I like the fact he's, he's asking the government for money. And, um, um, when I started doing human trafficking, you know, we have a task force in Indianapolis. Uh, it's ran by the U uh, S attorney's office. Um, when I started doing it, we were a funded task force. We had a, a uh, grant from the Department of Justice for half a million dollars. Half of that went to law enforcement. Half of that went to victim services. How we had it for about uh, five to seven years because we got an extension on it. And then we could not get it back. Well, one of the reasons we couldn't get it back is they went from 39 funded task force down to about 14. And then a few of them, they expanded them to like Chicago's task force, Cook County's, to million dollars, you know. Um, so, so, you know, he he, they definitely need to fund him for that because it's helping helping out. What, um, you know, because that that software, because departments will use it and they'll give it to. The, I'm hopefully he's given going to give that to departments for free because some departments cannot afford that. Plain and simple, they're very low budgets. So they're not going to budget for it. They're not going to be able to get it. Um, the one of the reasons why they're, we know when we lost our money to the task force, we still had a task force. We're like, they're like, well, how are you going to do it? I said, well, we're still going to investigate human trafficking. Um, I would, I, where we need the money is for the victim services and these cases can take up to a year and they go mobile almost all the time. We may need to go to another city or state to interview someone. We may need to pay for, um, translators right now most departments won't pay for translators 
they don't budget for it and 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 and, and because they, they they can't say oh we're going to come in contact with five or ten chinese people in the next year um maybe an indian person so we're going to have to budget for you know you know the, some of those translators they sh- they should be up to about 100 bucks an hour now and they're they're worth it um everybody so the, so, just assumes that every police force has a translator for every language because we've watched NYPD Blue or Law and Order or something, and then they, you know, they zap. Uh, well, we'll get Officer, you know, right. Sanchez in here, and they'll do all of our translating well, for us. The good part about it is we do have a lot of Spanish-speaking officers now. When I came on, we didn't. We do now. Um, you know, some of us speak languages that are worthless, like me, German. You know, I mean, that's 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 not going to help at all. But um, we use the language line. But the problem with the language line is you can't read your translator and you're, you're usually doing it over a cell phone and it's very difficult. You should, you, and you, it's hard to do it in a controlled area. You usually do it in the field. So, so the language line is good in an emergency, but for these girls, sometimes it's, it's an eight hour, it's an eight hour um, interview and your translator could be in a whole different state. Plus you got to be careful. Um, like we had a case where with an, with an Indian victim from India and the translator was from a class above this girl, and she wasn't translating the right stuff. And sometimes if you're there, you can read the translator and tell, I know what she's saying is not coming out of your mouth because I can tell the way she's upset at you. And what this girl was telling her was, listen, uh, this is our culture. Are you sure you want to do this? I was trying to talk this girl out of um, following up after she'd just gotten the, her butt kicked and strangled and and all sorts of bad things to her, so you gotta you gotta vet your uh, your translators too, and you gotta find some. Hopefully, it's not in the community. You know, maybe mo- born here in America, which helps um, because they feel a sense of Ameri- you know, sense of sense of uh, community here. Um, you just gotta be very careful. Um, but you're right. So so you know, it, it, it's nice. We've gotten turned down on the grant a couple times. Um, well, and certainly you know, in places like India, China, uh, that very strict class system uh, might make somebody less uh, less anxious to give all the details because of the shame involved and, and, and everything else. If they, you know, detect that the translator is going to look down upon them or, right. or carry those societal pieces of baggage with them. Well, and, and you just touched on something. That's, sometimes that's a, like this. One of my victims from India, she's, she was just so brave you know, that she's got to stay here now. She can't go back home because her family's was upset at her and her, um, her, uh, ex-husband now who got arrested, he's doing 25 years for what he did to her. His family lives in the same, same community, same village. She can't go back there right? because, because, um, in some countries, even though it's illegal, they look the other way when a, when a wife is beat, when a wife is slapped around by her husband. Right. And, um, you know, and, and on a side note there, I was having a talk with, um, someone the other day, um, about, uh, do we want to, there's a, there's a certain community here in Indianapolis from another country, um, where we got an issue with, um, adults dating very young girls. And I'm talking about 13 and 14. And he says, well, do we really want to mess with somebody's culture. I said, 
Absolutely. I don't care if that's accepted in that country they're from. They're not in that country. No, I know. I said, it's not a part of our culture. And if it ever becomes a part of our culture, I'll be moving to Europe. And I used to have a talk with, um, um, I used to talk to the Johns that we we caught, you know, at this, um, it's part of their uh, diversion. So they don't get, uh, so they can get off of getting caught the first time. Um, They have to go to a talk where the community come forward and they say, listen, there's a lot of drug paraphernalia out there on the ground where our kids play because of the girls that walk on Washington Street. And uh, some of these guys have been picking up uh, girls that he thought they thought were underage on the street, which we don't get too many underage walkers on the street, by the way. But um, I do know from people I know that have visited the bad, the, the bad areas of Mexico that, that some of the juvenile prostitution has definitely looked the other way. And I tell these young men, you know, or some of them aren't young, but I tell them, I'm like, listen, I said, I don't know if you got away with it over there or if it was acceptable, but it's not acceptable here. Um, you cannot pick up our young ladies or any young lady of any race here in America and think it's okay. It's not okay. Uh, and, and, and I'm like, I don't think you, I, I, I tell them, I'm like, as a human being, do I think you're a horrible person? No, but I will arrest you every chance I get if I catch you doing that. And ultimately, um, you, you will pay for all you do. And I said, mm-hmm. and I, I told him, I said, if that ever becomes acceptable in this country, I'm leaving this country. Well, and, and when I, and this is going to segue into, into a great question here. Uh, when I was 16, I started playing men's league soccer in Indianapolis. And one of the things that would drive me crazy, because I was playing with a lot of South American and uh, Mexican players, uh, was while we were playing the game, I would do something or, or whatever. And, you know, I was 16. I was doing most of the running uh, and, and, and acquiring of the ball. And then I would get it and do something with it. And they would, they would start to lecture me. And the lecture always contained, in my country, in my country. And I would always be like, hey, man, you're not in your country. Right. You know, it's, it's sorry. It's it, you're in my country. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If you're right, you're right. But don't bring that into it. That's crazy. Right. right. And, and, uh, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, the beauty of America is, is we are a melting pot. We're all we're all from somewhere else, you know, unless you're Native American. And if you go far enough back, you're from Asia then. But the thing is, you know, um, and, and we do. I don't care what people think. We do love all cultures in this country. We're, we're, that's the beauty of being in the United States. But there are there are certain things that that we're you know, and sometimes they're politicians. They do not want to speak out against certain things in certain communities for fear of being labeled a racist. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with talking to a, a community and saying, hey, this is unacceptable, and that's how. The first generation say, okay, the second, you know, the second generation doesn't even practice that practice anymore. It's, it's got to start somewhere. And, and if you don't speak up, and I'm talking about a guy like myself against practices like that, then I'm, I'm just as bad as a guy that's going out there and, and thinking it's okay and doing it. See what I'm saying? Well, that, that's the thing about America is we give you the 100% right to celebrate your culture to indulge in your culture, to be, you know, have a, a vibrant culture, no matter where, where you came from or what the historical or societal links are to it. But there's a commonality across the board that makes us all Americans, and we can't get rid of that. 
Well, see, we're not going to get rid of no. that, you know. But but if you're if you're not violating that, of course, you know, celebrate whatever you want. Um, one of the questions, and this is this will be my my last question here. Can you just tell everybody what a badass I was on a college <laughs> soccer field? I, I I really, you know, it's it's a shame ESPN wasn't covering us at the time because then there'd be a YouTube video <laughs> with probably some ACDC music on in the background. Um, uh, you know, just, just I will, I will. I'll tell you what, you were a, um, a, a very passionate player and you were at your best when you're out there playing. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, um, and, um, you know, you, you, that you, I, I know you, uh, you, you told me you trash talked a lot of people. I didn't see it as a, as you being mean to people back then. It was more, um, being smart out alecky to them. And having fun out there, it was yeah. a good time. It was a good time uh, getting in, a- getting in their head. John and I played uh, college soccer for Ball State. So, uh, well, the book is paying for it, and of course, there'll be links to the Amazon page on the uh, on the posting on the website, as always. And man, I really appreciate your time. You obviously know this subject inside and out, and and are you know speaking of passion, you have a lot of passion for it yourself. And uh, I, I just I hope that uh, you continue to to go forward in this and uh, and uh, I, I, I'll stay, I appreciate that and I will stay involved in somewhere or another. I, I went back to giving talks recently. Um, I, you know, as far as investigating goes, um, I, I, maybe someday. Um, right now, doing the corruption thing is is good for me. Um, th- thank God our human trafficking vice unit. And I said this on uh, a local interview the other day, um, our human trafficking vice unit at Indianapolis metropolitan police department, I will say is if it's not the best, it's one of the best in the country and they do a great job and they're a great group of detectives. I won't say how many they are and they are passionate about it too. And they, they're just, they're, they're just excellent. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm pretty fortunate that I have a department you know, not everybody, everybody in, in most higher-up departments buy into it, um, but they let us investigate it. They might not buy in it. I, I, you know, they may or may not buy into it, up into it higher up in the department because some of them are, have been around a while, but, I, but they let us investigate it, and that's awesome because, um, you know, IPD, the Indianapolis Police Department, before we merged, was cutting edge, and by letting us do these type of investigations, we're still sticking with that cutting edge. We're going to do it. Um, the rest of the rest of the country can catch up to us if they want. You know. Cool. Well, John, All thanks right. a lot. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Tom Gully Show. You'll find our snack bar chock full of good things to eat and drink: tasty, tempting hot dogs, thirst-quenching soft drinks, fresh, crunchy popcorn. You've plenty of time, so visit the snack bar now. Just send an email to tom at thetomgullyshow.com.
We'd like to thank John Daggy for being with us. You can check out his book, Paying For It, on Amazon, or go to the posting on our website associated with this episode, and we've got links there for you, as always. Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show. Not me, you know, because you never want to do that. Uh, plus, I only accept people on my personal page that I know personally. Uh, but you can go to the show page and like that baby day and night to your heart's content. Uh, and then there's the TomGullyShow.com. That's where you can find everything about the show. There's the Tom Gully Show store. And, of course, we also encourage you to subscribe on iTunes for free. Because if it's free, it's for me. You can follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka, too, so I can increase my clout and cred ratings. Because if I get enough points, we're all going to go to the aces. And, you know, certain people, not many, but certain people know what that means and why I say it every every episode here at the end. The end of the show is becoming a weird part of the show because lots of people really like it because I just sort of ramble. And you might have heard at the very end of the interview with John Daggy. First of all, John Daggy, known for his 180 clearance of the ball move he could like if a ball was going toward our own goal John could chase it and then three sort of 180 spin kick it like the other way without stopping a very effective tactic uh, but you might have heard him mention the fact that I um, he said smart Alec because he's really nice he's a, an upstanding member of, of society He's, he's a, a police officer, you know, so he's going to probably put things in terms that aren't quite as, um, uh, let's just say visceral, uh, you know, uh, we, we could, we could have gotten into that a lot more and I think we're going to have him back and talk about online harassment someday. Uh, but, um, I should talk about that too. Cause somebody that was harassing me has now been charged in the state of Texas uh, for harassment. And uh, we'll talk about that on another episode. But but yes, I used to really, um, when we were playing soccer uh, for Ball State, I used to really um, say things to the members of the other team, like constantly during the game. You know, like, you know, I, I uh, I would tell the guy what I was going to do uh, before I would do it. I'd be like, hey, look, the ball's going to come over here. I'm going to blow past your chubby little ass and go straight in on goal, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Look at yourself. What are you, 5'6"? There's no way. Dude, you might as well go home. You're lucky you're playing at our place because if not, I would embarrass you in front of your classmates. You know, just – you know, and, and then I, a lot of times I would do it, but the whole game. Yeah. Just nonstop. Uh, sometimes the referees would laugh. Sometimes they would give me a yellow card, but most of the time they would laugh. Um, I certainly was laughing. Uh, those were the days. Let me tell you. Um, 
So once again, thanks, John Daggy, for for being uh, on the program. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka too, so I can increase my. Oh, I already said that part. Um, but yeah, I guess I've got a listener out of the Tyler, Texas area, who has been frequenting frequenting the website of a guy that's completely unhinged. Uh, that that actually has a warrant out of the state of Texas now for harassment, uh, for harassing me, and uh, apparently the that person wants proof uh, of that. All you gotta do is call up, you know, Tarrant County if you want proof, unless you can't afford it. Um, uh, as this person out of Tyler tells me, in order to get the actual documentation you can call them up and they'll tell you but in order to get the the actual documentation it's a class b misdemeanor and they only publish online class c misdemeanors so you actually have to go and make a, a request to get the documentation they're not gonna you know you 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 gotta you know they'll tell you on the phone but to send you the actual case files and the, the transcripts, you got to go there. Like he's going to drive from from Tyler to Dallas for some guy that cuts lawns for a living and just harasses people online. Uh, it's, uh, it's kooky. It's kooky the things that happen to you on the Internet. Uh, but, you know, we can, we can uh, certainly give out the number when we have that uh, online harassment episode. Well, that'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to, oh, by the way, I should mention this loon that that uh, is doing the harassing is like claiming that I visit his website ever. Um, I would say to that person, if somebody's visiting your website from Arlington, Texas, it's not me. It might just be the police department or one of their bots, you know, could be, uh, you know, they got these little search bots that go and they, they, uh, record things in chat rooms. So that might be what's happening there, but I, I don't go there. I, uh, I don't have any reason to, I, I'm doing a show, so. Uh, that'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later each night. Jay Johnson brings us in with the truth wagon. Go to jjohnsonmusic.com. Check out everything there is there from Jay Johnson. And each night we take you out with Russell Alexander and the Hitman Blues Band. Had an interesting interaction online uh, on Russell's uh, Facebook page this week where he put up some sort of posting about Hey, if you sign up for our newsletter at hitmanbluesband.net, you get a certain number. It's nine or 11. I forget how many exactly uh, free blues songs, which you want and you should go do that. But the somebody commented, hey, man, I don't know you. I've never heard you. And why would I sign up for your newsletter? And I was like, why would you post that if you don't know them? What what of what use is that to anybody? But the big thing is, and I'm going to tell you this for for real, you get a, an email from this guy. I mean, maybe once every two months, okay. And when you do get it, 
a lot of times you get another link to another free song and they're killer blues songs. We like classic blues, but just kind of, you know, infused, jacked up, supercharged with a little more, you know, freshness and, and coolness. That's what these guys do. They're my favorite blues band. And uh, so you need to go to the Hitman Blues, hitmanbluesband.com or hitmanbluesband.net to get the free songs, uh, you know, because that's how we roll. And then I recommend you buy some of their stuff because you already got free. So if you buy an equal amount of songs at the regular price, you're getting half price, which means you're still a walking Groupon. That's how we roll. And we will see you next time. Well, the bucket lifts a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat A raccoon can do all that But he don't want to And I dream of you at night While you hold your baby tight But he don't want you You can see it in his eyes From the way he tells you lies But he don't want you He stays at work too long to come home, but he don't want to.